Welcome back to the show. My name is Slap. Over there is DK, and you are listening to Unidentified Signal on 99.9 FM. Tonight, we embark on a journey to unravel one of the most intriguing mysteries in the universe, the Fermi Paradox, and its enigmatic companion, the Great Filter. Oh, the Fermi Paradox, huh? Have you heard of it? Uh-uh. Never okay. once. All right, so we'll, we'll, then this will be a good one for you. We're going to talk about who Fermi was, because it was a person, and we'll go into the concepts a little bit about what it is, and I'd love to hear your thoughts. At, at first, I thought you were going to, this was like a, a you know, a, a, a book trilogy, you know, Fermi, or uh, the, the Fermi whatever <laughs> in The Great Paradox. It's like, oh, we got a Chamber of Secrets in here, too? Or is there a, is there a Philosopher's Stone somewhere? Like, what's, what's going on? Hey, man, considering where the station is built, I really wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, Augury Point gets a little weird. Well, that's, uh, that's putting it light, too. Mm. Okay, you ready? Ready. Our story begins with the brilliant mind of a one Enrico Fermi, an Italian-American physicist, <clears throat> excuse me, known for his contributions to nuclear physics and quantum theory. Fermi played a crucial role in the development of the atomic bomb during World War II. However, our focus today is on a question he posed during a casual lunch in 1950. Enrico oh, now Fermi. Oh, I know where I yeah. remember his name. Is right. it clicking? Yeah, well, yeah, because he was the one that was, um, when they were doing all the, in. we were talking about the Demon Corps, and when everybody was doing like experiments on it, he was all like, you guys realize that that's... You, you guys yeah. are pulling on Superman's cape. You are tugging on the dragon's tail, and or or you are poking a sleeping dragon, and when it wakes up, it is going to bathe you in fire. Yeah, we love a full circle argument okay, here. Yes, yes, yes. Now I remember him. So, casual lunch, 1950. Enrico Fermi looked around and asked, where is everybody? This seemingly innocent question laid the groundwork for what we now know as the Fermi Paradox. So the Fermi Paradox is essentially the puzzle that arises when we consider the high probability of extraterrestrial civilizations in the vast universe, yet we, was, we observe a conspicuous absence of contact or evidence of their existence. It's a cosmic okay. silence that beckons us to question the assumptions we make about the prevalence of life beyond Earth. So the simple question... With billions of galaxies, each containing billions of stars and numerous potentially habitable exoplanets, why haven't we encountered any signs of intelligent extraterrestrial life? Oh, okay, okay. So this is uh, my my favorite quote out of the movie. Uh, I think it's Control. The one with Jodie Foster uh, is like if if we're the only like with. With all of the planets and galaxies and star systems out there and everything, if we are the only living uh, sentient race in the entire universe, man, that's a massive waste of space. Yeah, yeah. The, the and for those curious, it was contact. Contact. Thank and you. the movie was around the late 90s. I want to say 96, 97, maybe even 98, but it's in that ballpark. And Control is the really cool game that also handles a lot of stuff that like we talk mm -hmm. about. 
That's the Alan Wake universe. Yeah. Exactly. So the concept that was born from the Fermi paradox is what's known as the Great Filter. So to tackle this cosmic conundrum, scientists introduced the concept of the Great Filter, a theoretical barrier or set of barriers that make the development of intelligent civilizations exceedingly rare. The Great huh. Filter could be an obstacle at various stages of a civilization's development, hindering progress and drastically reducing the number of advanced societies that reach the point of interstellar communication or travel. So simply put, as a uh, civilization develops or an intelligent life, as it were, begins to develop, at what point in its development does it just die off if it's not known to us as it stands? Like, we are one of those civilizations potentially going through the Great Filter ourselves, so mm. what about everyone else? What about everything else? If there's life out in the universe, why haven't we seen them? So these yeah. scientists are saying like, well, maybe they got halted at some point in their development. Something ah, happened. Ah, they didn't make it through the filter. Exactly. Okay. And we, we, we've just, we haven't hit the point of being filtered. We're still yeah. advancing along as far as we can until we hit that filter and humanity just falls off and L plus a ratio plus you got filtered. <laughs> yeah. As far as we know, exactly. As a producer yeah. shy just gave us some information here as far as like the um the development of a, like a typical typical life. And it begins with the reproductive molecules and simple uh, prokaryotic single life cells to complex organism to sexual reproduction and multi-cell life and then animals with intelligence right and a civilization advancing towards the potential for a colonization explosion which is where we are now so we haven't hit the the space like the true space age yet we're not up there oh we're yeah. not we, we're not yeah. colonizing other planets we don't have like habitable space stations out by pluto or anything we're we are still just pretty much isolated to our solar system yeah and uh, scientists like have played with the theory of the great filter on so many levels to hopefully bring it into scope to effectively say like you can attribute the great filter to a very many things on a small scale to hopefully understand it on a larger scale. So we are isolated almost exclusively, if not exclusively to just earth. That's, That's true. It. We, we've tried, we've tried Mars. We've landed on the moon, but yeah, that's true. We are pretty much isolated to earth. So the big question becomes, which is what you touched on a little bit here is where is the elusive great filter located? Like in a, in a civilization's or an organism's life cycle, where is it located? And some theories suggest it could be in the emergence of life itself, while others point to the challenges of evolving from simple to complex organisms. Perhaps the great filter lies in the development of intelligence, technologically advanced civilizations. Okay. So understanding the location of the great filter has profound implications. If it's in the early stages, it implies that simple life is common, but complex life is rare. 
If it's right. in the later stages, it suggests that advanced civilizations are rare, despite the prevalence of complex life. So we toss back and forth, we sort of ping pong with the concept that if the filter exists, it's happening right as they're emerging, or, or it's right happening like later. Ending. Exactly. So we could very well be in the latter debate. It's happening uh, as we're ending, right? Yeah. The world has some 8 billion plus people on it right now. We have a reproductive rate of like 0.9% a year or something to that effect. Yeah, we're we are still developing. <laughs> yeah. So scientists and others might speculate, mm, Great Filter might not be that far off for the human race, as it were. Well, yeah. Well, it was sort of like the the idea of the doomsday clock, right? Kind of. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, we, we 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 haven't hit the filter yet, but we are we are in the express lane if it exists. <laughs> the express lane, yeah, yeah. For lack of better terms, yeah. So, because when you talk about world-ending events, immediately, immediately, we're like, oh, an asteroid just careening straight towards Earth, or you know, super volcano, some massive event is just happening within earth or under the surface something's happening that's mm -hmm. just going to take us out before the filter itself has a chance to do its work and that's something that's entirely possible too natural well, disasters could occur yeah we're talking like the core where the uh the earth's core stops moving right you know kind of yeah. and then all the magnetic stuff goes crazy birds are falling out of the sky planes are falling out of the sky <laughs> You know, they do the analogy with the apple and then they flamethrower it. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, conceptually, I actually really liked that movie. I thought it was fun. <laughs> it it is it is the best worst movie ever. It's it's up there for me. I'll it, tell you yeah, that. Definitely enjoyable as long as you turn your brain off. Yeah, the concept for the uninitiated that the core of the Earth is rotating very actively to maintain its heat, and that one day it just stops. And it's yeah. like a battery that controls the ozone for what it's worth. And <laughs> the rotation just like stops the ozone layer from working. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. and to get it restarted, they, they dig into the core and just let off a bunch of explosions to get it going again. Yeah, some several megaton bombs in a yeah. circle. <laughs> <laughs> to just make it like the like a like rocks in a pond that'll just yeah, get it yeah. Again. yeah. They're doing the old uh, swim around a circle in the pool trick when we were younger. Mm -hmm, the whirlpool, except mm -hmm. you know, the lava with yeah. bombs. Yeah, yeah, yep. That's it's exactly it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Anyway, <sighs> go ahead. so contemporary speculations in the current scientific landscape, researchers continue to explore the Fermi paradox and the Great Filter. Some propose that self-destruction of advanced civilizations, the limitations of interstellar travel, or communication methods beyond our comprehension, comprehension might contribute to the cosmic silence. As our technology and understanding of the cosmos advance, new theories and perspectives emerge. The search for answers is an ongoing quest, and each revelation brings us closer to unlocking the secrets of our place in the universe. Okay. Okay. So, producer, old shy, threw us another image that is a concept of where the great filter might be placed on one instance in the timeline of a lifespan. So you see the birth of the star, 
as it begins to move towards development. Okay. And where some just begin to stop because they've hit that filter. Right, right, right. And so like, we're we're what? We're civilization two on this chart that Chai printed out for us? Uh so, I, so the I, well I well I guess you, you you don't know where you are or where we could potentially be on this thing, right? So it's uh, it, it's weird. Okay, so I'm gonna bring up another name here that we aren't actively talking about, but it's gonna introduce another concept, and maybe that's something that we can talk about at another time or maybe expand upon here because I do know a little bit about it. It's okay. called the Kardashev scale. And right. it's it is involving typed civilizations, so type one, two, and three. And Kardashev believed that it would take humanity thirty two hundred years effectively to reach type two. So by the year three thousand, oh, okay, we would be a type two civilization. And by the year almost six thousand, we could effectively be a type three. Um. And it's based on the concept that humans are consuming energy at about 3% per year to reach type 1 in 100 to 200 years. So it would have to grow exponentially gotcha. for us to reach the later types. And as far as energy consumption and everything of the like is concerned, we just don't have pure access to every type of energy like even in the realm of um solar punk right as like solar energy as a whole solar panels wow. are only able to harness upwards of 23 percent of the energy they receive so we're not even there yet with that hydro dams like hydroelectric dams are upwards of 90 percent. we've had those for over like 100 years now mm -hmm. and we're still not able to convert the 100 percent of energy that goes into that and then wind is a little more efficient than solar, but solars are most reliable because you just lay out a brick. Yeah. And we're also, still not able. Is 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 this little uh snippet that she gave us a type one civilization is able to access all energy available on its planet and store it for consumption. Hypothetically, it should be able to control natural events such as earthquakes, volcanic eruptions, and all that. Type two civilization can directly consume a star's energy, most likely through the use of a Dyson sphere. And a type three civilization is able to capture all energy emitted by its galaxy and every object within it, like every star and black hole. Is that? That's mind blowing. <laughs> like yeah. just like the type two civilization is already mind blowing because the only time I've ever discussed a Dyson sphere is that one episode of Star Trek where they get stuck in one. Other than that, I I you know, I the concept of a Dyson sphere is like beyond me, let alone being able to harness literally all the energy in the galaxy from every celestial body. Like, that's crazy. That's insane. I love these concepts because then I get to say, listeners, for those that are unfamiliar with a Dyson sphere, it is a thought experiment, a hypothetical megastructure that encompasses a star and captures the some large percentage of its solar output. Now, 
we use the word solar loosely here because solar energy is almost restricted to our sun. The sun, yeah. Right? And every other star has its own name, but the type of energy itself, the energy emitted by the star, is just being referred to commonly as solar. Yeah. So a Dyson sphere is like a Pokeball pal sphere for those playing that <laughs> or if you've played destiny the cage around the traveler that basically harnesses all of its energy for use to be a type 2 civilization on kardashev scale we need to be able to do that yeah type 2 means we need to make that crazy dyson sphere that is just a thought experiment at this point and we are nowhere in the realm of possibly ever making one yep and the reason that it reaches so far into conceptual and theoretical is you got to think about the resources required to do that like think about oh, how yeah. big a star is right we mm -hmm. don't have the material alone on earth probably yeah. including any of the planets in our current solar system to fully encompass the sun, which invites the question of, well, where do we get that kind of material? And then you have to look outside of our universe. So until space travel yeah. becomes a thing, we're not getting there. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, until you can like start to harvest resources, at least in the solar system, period... And you probably still don't have enough raw materials to, like, make a Dyson sphere around the sun. But, like, yeah, and, until we're spacefaring and at least, like, harvesting materials from other planets, like, there's no way. There's just no way. Yeah, 100%. And it it's, it's <clears throat> fun to talk about and think about, too, because it all kind of, not directly, but correlates to the Fermi paradox and the Great Filter because the same challenges we're facing now there could have been a race or civilization some hundreds to thousands of millions of light years away that went through the same conundrum overgrew or something happened that caused them mm -hmm. to just stop. And the crazy thing about viewing things in space is you see them as they were, not as they are. Because ah, yeah. millions of light years away that light is reaching us for that picture, for that image. So mm -hmm. for those that are familiar with things like the James Webb, they're taking pictures of things as they were millions of yep. years ago, right? Yep. When you look up at the uh, at the stars, you're basically looking at, you know, dead stars. The light's for, just yeah. getting to you now. Mm-hmm. For what it's worth. And the crazy thing about that, too, is if you start applying that to extraterrestrial theories in life... If some civilization somewhere did, by chance, have the ability for space travel or at least deep space exploration, they could look at us, right? Oh, yeah. And from where they are that they're looking at us, there's still giant feathered lizards chewing on each other. They don't <laughs> even know crazy. we're here. Yeah. <laughs> like, and that's nuts. That, that And that crazy, in and of yeah. itself is nuts. Yeah, that that is that is that is a wild thought, indeed. Um, and yeah, I I would just obviously, well, I guess not obviously, but if if these others, if like a type two or three civilization existed, you'd think we would have heard something, but like you know, like 
if there was a civilization that was capable of making a Dyson sphere or harnessing all of the <laughs> energy in its galaxy, you know, we would have noticed by now. So, although... More than I mean, likely? Mm, yeah. Considering how vast the universe is, like, you cannot understand, you cannot even conceptualize how large the universe is. They could actually be out there somewhere. Mm -hmm. They're just eating planets that are on ours, and yeah, we just don't yeah. know where they are. Yeah, Unicron hasn't made it to the solar system yet. <laughs> I was thinking like Galactus, like he's just yeah. eating planets. But yeah, it's 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 a wild concept, and you don't really know how big it is until you start doing the research into it. So I highly suggest our our listeners take the time to just think about how infinitesimal we are in the grand scheme of the universe. We are so baby. We're <laughs> not even a drop in the bucket yet. Like, no. <laughs> uh, like it's not even a drop in the, in the bucket of the universe. We're, we're a molecule of a drop like it is we are infinitesimally small <laughs> so enjoy your life you know yeah enjoy that enjoy that so what yeah. i'd like to do just being is... born is winning the lottery <laughs> basically alone. yeah basically it, you're lucky to be here yeah we're lucky to be here mm-hmm so let me let me go over what some of the scientists have actually proposed as far as the great filter is concerned. Okay. So, as we said, it's a speculative concept or concept in the context of the Fermi paradox, suggesting that there might be might be a critical and challenging step or set of steps in the development of life or intelligent civilizations. They've sort of broken it down to four subcategories where it's prebiotic chemistry, where life might struggle to originate from non-living matter. So, okay. conception of life, period. Single-celled life and the transition from simple single-celled organisms to complex multicellular life could present its own challenges. Sure. Complex, the emergence of intelligence, complex life forms just simply might be rare, Followed by technological civilizations and the development of an advanced civilizations capable of interstellar communication or travel could be a significant hurdle. Now, we are, as a human race, technically on the cusp of being a true technological civilization. We do not have reliable interstellar communication or travel, but the science suggests that we are getting there. Yeah, we're we're getting there. We're not there yet, but you know, in a couple hundred years, you know, who knows? Yeah, and and that's assuming we make it that far without the Earth itself imploding or something happening external. I know astrophysicists are actively tracking an asteroid. If you want to have another flavor of conspiracy to suck on, <laughs> by twenty thirty six, we could get impacted. Like there's a one in several hundred, several thousand, something to that effect chance that if an asteroid threads this needle, mm -hmm. it could hit us and it would be, for what it's worth, a world ender, thus uh, forcing us into the Great Filter. 
Okay, okay. That would indeed be a filtering out, sure, sure. Yeah, extenuating circumstances prevail when discussing the Fermi paradox because as far as technological advancements and, you know, the advancement in general of a civilization, it also talks about how prepared you are to deal with these natural and unnatural occurrences. Like, probability yeah. is a thing. It's a concept. It's a very real thing. You can look at things and say the probability of the sun exploding tomorrow has a number attached to it. Yeah, one in... 80 quadrillion but you know it's still yeah and scientists have devoted their life to figuring that out so when you look in the concept of what enrico fermi was discussing and the great filter that has kind of been born from that as two separate concepts but still the same how prepared are we to deal with an asteroid that could actively smash into earth or a super volcano going off and destroying us from the inside you know what if yep. the core it does decide to just cool off enough and things just stop working and the magnetism of the earth's people just start floating in the sky like there's a lot of weird things that could happen but it comes down to how prepared you are as a civilization thus indicating where you sit on the filter we gotta, we gotta call bruce willis you're gonna miss your daughter's wedding Mm-hmm. great movie oh yeah <laughs> so yeah how ready are we if how that ready are we does thread that needle how ready are we i can safely say from all of the talks i've listened to videos i've watched researched i've done on writing this script for today's episode coming down here to the station i have a beautiful talk with you dk as always mm. i've learned that we are just not prepared Ah, we are not prepared if it threads the needle, huh? We are not if prepared. If it threads that needle, it's just like, well, it's going to hit, and best case scenario, you survive it, and you're plummeted into the Ice Age, and then you die of starvation. And then the whole human race just dies out. Yeah, it's either we do it to ourselves, or it happens externally. Because if you remember from things of like, when we talk about the Cold War as a concept, or as a time period, thermonuclear winter was... A very active debate for a long time if the world superpowers decided to go at it and just start throwing things at each other all of us to the wayside would effectively just freeze we'd lose access to everything because all of this pollution would just be in the sky denying us of the sun denying us of the heat and basic human necessities and life necessities and we would mm. just perish in that respect that's true i mean <laughs> Just look at COVID-19. Like, we get something, get a pandemic that's worse than that. And oh, yeah. We, we, were, we were barely prepared for that. And that was a, that was a preventable thing. And look at, look at how that tore through us. So, yeah, one, one super pandemic, and we're, we're not even really prepared for that. Okay, so... There's a lot of alternative scenarios that might allow for the evolution of intelligence life to occur multiple times without either catastrophic self-destruction or glaringly visible evidence. Um, these are possible resolutions to the Fermi paradox where they do exist, but we see no evidence. Okay. Other ideas include it is too expensive to spread physically throughout the galaxy. Earth is purposely isolated. 
it I mean, is that's, dangerous that's to communicate. Fair. Yeah, it is dangerous to communicate, and hence civilizations actively hide among others, which is a terrifying concept, right? Yeah, they're out when there. You, they're just hiding. Mm-hmm. Ooh, so don't there's like that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's they walk among us. Yeah. They walk among us. Yeah. Um, among us. <laughs> sus. Sorry, reviewing I don't, I don't, the history <laughs> reviewing the history of life on earth including convergent evolution concluded that transitions such as ox oxygenic photosynthesis and eukaryotic cell multicellularity and tool using intelligence are likely to occur on any earth-like planet given enough time they argue that the great filter may be abiogenesis the rise of technological human level intelligence or an inability to settle other words because of self-destruction or lack of resources. Okay. So abiogenesis is one of those concepts in science where it's simply put the origin of life. It's the natural process by which life has arisen from non-living matter. So our beginnings as multicellular organisms complex mm -hmm. organisms begins with abiogenesis that first right. initial spark of something coming to be yeah um there's been arguments that one can postulate a galaxy filled with intelligent extraterrestrial civilizations that have simply failed to colonize earth <laughs> perhaps the aliens lacked the intent and purpose to colonize or deplete their resources, or maybe the galaxy is colonized, but in a heterogeneous manner. Or the Earth could be located in a galactic black water. That Although absence be. of evidence generally is only weak as evidence of absence, the absence of extraterrestrial mega-scale engineering projects, for example, might point mm. to the Great Filter at work. Mm. Yeah, a, a little lot bit of a heavy episode today, isn't it? It's a lot of fun stuff. Yeah. So let's let's look at the list. Rare Earth. We are example of a rare random event. Possible. Extraterrestrial intelligence is rare or non-existent. Also possible. Periodic extinction by natural events, which is something that is has happened on Earth, but unsuccessfully. That's, right. Yep, yep. Yep. The dinosaurs getting wiped out. Sure. Mm -hmm. With some life remaining, thus indicating we for lack of better terms, um, prevailed, right? We mm -hmm. are still around. We got through the filter. Right? Intelligent alien species have not developed advanced technologies. True. We could just be the furthest along. It's possible. It is. It's, it's wild conceptually, but yeah, it is entirely yeah. possible. Conceptually thinking that we are the furthest along in the universe is a wild thought to me. Yeah, it almost feels egocentric, but... Oh, yeah. It, it feels almost impossible that we are the most advanced. <laughs> yeah. It is the nature of intelligent life to destroy itself, which is something that has also almost happened with us. Yeah, also, also, yeah, very possible, sure. It is the nature of intelligent life to destroy others. Uh, civilizations only broadcast detectable signals for a brief period of time. We could have just missed the memo. True, we could have just missed the broadcast, yeah. They could have broadcast it before we were sentient, yeah. And along that same vein, glad you said that, alien, alien life may be too incomprehensible 
even if we were oh. to pick up that signal would we even know what they were trying to say would we yeah okay okay all right all right this is a star trek thing where it's like oh hey that sounds like whale calls like no that's aliens that are coming to you know see why all <laughs> of the all of the whales that they deposited millions of years ago aren't there anymore but yeah go ahead colonization is not the cosmic norm Oh, okay. It's not normal to try and colonize the universe, so nobody's branching out because we're the only ones thinking about universal colonization. Ooh, also yep. an interesting idea. Alien species may have only settled part of the galaxy, and we just might not be in that part. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. Galaxies Lack of resources. They're huge, dude. Lack of mm -hmm. resources needed to physically spread throughout the galaxy. And same concept to the Dyson Sphere. We just don't have the materials required to do something large scale like that on a planet of our size. Well, we don't. That's fair. Yeah. Humans have not listened properly, which kind of goes back to the incomprehensibility piece yeah. of it. So... Mm -hmm. We might have picked something up, but again, we might not have understood. And maybe we yeah. did understand, but we didn't interpret it properly. We might have thought it was just static, but really it was an intergalactic message from aliens. Everyone is listening, but no one is transmitting. Ah, that's... Yeah, I, I, I've, I've heard that one where it's like, uh, yeah, you should listen, but you shouldn't broadcast because if there is... Uh, uh, a species out there that's run out of resources and they're just roaming around and they're like, hey, someone's pinging us. I bet they have resources. <laughs> Let's go get them. Yeah. Yep. Aliens might be hearing us and be like, uh, no thanks. Yeah. yeah. Can't say I blame them, but all right. Mm-hmm. Earth is deliberately being avoided. Ooh, also very possible. Like, if you were an outsider and you looked in and you saw all of the stuff that was going on on Earth, because, like, you know, we're, we're not exactly... We don't have a history of being nice to each other, right? You, If you were an alien and you saw some of the stuff that we were getting down with, you might just be like, nope, I am not going there. That is nope. Uh, was it... Was it South Park that was like, oh, yeah, Earth is just one big TV show for all aliens because you guys are out of your minds? So, yeah, they could just be listening and watching and being like, wow, Earth is crazy. Don't go to Earth. Earth is out of their minds. That You don't want to go there. Stay away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And just for some more backstory, because I love doing this for our listeners out there, the zoo hypothesis is what you're going to want to hit the old Google machine for. And it's going to state, it is one of many theoretical explanations for the Fermi paradox. The hypothesis states that alien life intentionally avoids communication with Earth to allow for natural evolution and sociocultural development and avoiding interplanetary contamination similar to people observing animals at a zoo. The hypothesis oh. seeks to explain the apparent absence of extraterrestrial life despite its generally accepted plausibility and hence the reasonable expectation of its, its, its existence. It's the prime directive! 
where you, you don't interfere with the with the with the uh, less evolved species because you want them to evolve naturally and without outside help. It's the Prime Wait. Directive. I'm such a dork. It's but it's good. It's apt. It fits. It does. Yeah. And the final filter response: Alien life is already here, entirely unacknowledged. Okay, okay, okay. We got a- Area 51. They're already here. We've already, uh, you know, they're they're among us. They're walking among us, you know. Okay. Skinwalkers and all that. Yeah, for what it's worth, all of the wild cultural phenomena that can happen in different parts of the world where we okay. interpret them as cryptids and such like, they <laughs> could just mm-hmm. be something else entirely. Yeah could just be extraterrestrials that have already made planet fall and we just don't know it sure and i agree uh with our producer as well the dark forest hypothesis which is something we can talk about on another another transmission but the first and last out solution to the fermi paradox what if the first life that reaches interstellar travel capability necessarily eradicates all competition to fuel its own expansion Oh well that 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 could also be sure. You know, yeah, there's a there there is actually a spacefaring. Maybe there is a civilization 3 out there and they're just wiping everything out. You're listening to the Unidentified Signal 99.9 FM. So, how you feeling DK? Uh less safe. <laughs> Let's say, <laughs> boy, I sure hope that one asteroid doesn't thread the needle. Yep. That's a that's a my lifetime thing. That's an <laughs> our lifetime thing. That is an like, our lifetime thing. Yeah, like the sun supernovaing is like, oh yeah, that's thirty six billion years away. It's like, man, like the dust from my bones will be gone by then. Like I don't, whatever. But it's like that that thing is in my lifetime. <laughs> yep. 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 Interesting thought experiment though, is that like why why are why haven't we seen any other advanced life? Why are we the only ones, you know, presumably even in this galaxy? Although we can't know that because the galaxy is massive. But yeah, it's 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 a cool thought process to run down, for sure. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy to think that um, it takes one person, one person around the right group of people during a casual lunch to say, where are they? And it just churns the oh, minds. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It is. It is a very interesting thought experiment. And anything is plausible because there is just no evidence to counter it. it it's all plausible it's all up in the air it's all possible so whatever your mind can churn out is viable yeah it all comes so, down to probability mm-hmm. how likely is it to happen yeah but good news we're all still alive and we can't see anyone else so maybe we yeah maybe we're just the lucky ones maybe it is it you know, like the first one on that list is like, maybe we're just really lucky. And it's just the most rare random event 
to ever happen in the universe is just us. Yeah. On the universal timeline, yeah. We're an anomaly. We're just a completely abnormal anomaly. I Mm -hmm. doubt it, but, you know, considering how vast space is, considering how vast the universe is, the probability that we are one of one is still really unlikely. But it's still a chance, and that's it the is, beauty it, of it. There's still a chance that with the infinite amount of space out there, there is still the chance that we are one of one. Whew, good talking to you, Slap. <laughs> yes, sir. I, I, I had a lot of fun doing my research on this one because when you're when you're reading the words of uh someone who has obviously spent way more time than you diving into something that's this exciting it, it does lead you to start questioning things especially from a different oh, perspective because yeah. we're talking about concepts and theories that happened you know 60 50 40 years ago and even then things change mm-hmm. like we're so much more advanced than we were alone 50 years ago now 60 yeah. 70 years ago and the the concept that we're progressing through this filter ever so slightly but it hasn't stopped us yet the yet is what gets me uh, yeah get that's true because i mean the the ice age could have been a huge filter in yeah Earth's massive time well not massive in in our brief existence yeah the 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 ice age could have been that's it no existence for you anymore you just turn into a frozen ball that's hurtling through space and it's like well we got past that filter yeah it's been 65.5 million years <laughs> since our last <laughs> mass extinction event mm-hmm. we've had 5 on our earth in its timeline and development ever yeah and like and that number is a drop in the bucket it's 65.5 million years and you're talking actually it's not even a drop in the bucket because in the grand scheme of things we're talking billions of years trillions of years even Mm -hmm. going back so damn far and so damn wide so damn out there that like earth has gone through five (laughs) <laughs> yeah in that amount of time yeah it's 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 that it's it's crazy i don't want to say that we're due because we're not <laughs> well experts do believe we're in the midst of our sixth really yeah that's that's actually a genuine thing um with it's slow so this one isn't as prevalent as let's say an asteroid or something to that effect not necessarily like damaging volcano destroying right. a continent or something yeah but with the consumption of earth's natural resources and how oh, quickly okay. the decline of like certain parts of the world uh the nature is seeing and how some of the resources are just actively being drained to absolute zero and um the absence of life in its in itself that creatures that have gone extinct already that we are in the midst of our six it's slow moving but it's happening okay gotcha 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 yeah that makes sense unfortunately unfortunately Unfortunately. but all we have to do here in augury point is make sure we see the next day so we can keep bringing you the transmissions that happen here 
Mm-hmm. And there you have it. How there you feeling? There you have it. I'm I'm okay. A little good. less, little less safe, but you know what? You know. So and there you have it, folks. Enrico Fermi and two captivating concepts that remind us of the vastness of the unknown. Yeah. The Fermi paradox and the Great Filter. And that's going to do it for us here in the studio. You've been listening to Unidentified Signal on 99.9 FM in Augury Point, New Mexico. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, sleep where they can't find you. <laughs>